Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. And I came just to talk to you. <laughs> just a little talk. For just... A, small talk for a few minutes and I can't get any amens or agreement on that anybody believe it but I want to thank God for you hey today is the day of salvation someone may have came in here today for the first time or the first time in a long time but there is a call going out into the world that God is calling God is calling God is calling and he's saying today is the day of salvation and um, so just before, just before we read a scripture, I just want you to help me do something. You don't even have to look at anyone, but just kind of put your hand over on someone. If someone is close enough to you, just kind of put your hand on their, over on their shoulder. And I just, want to, I just want to say this verse out loud. I felt like I needed to do this today so everybody can just say this out loud. You don't even, but just put a little, a little feeling on it in your own heart and say this out loud. That God so loved, the world, that he gave. His only, son, His only Son, that whosoever, that whosoever believed, in him, believed in Him would not perish, would not perish but, have but have everlasting life. Everlasting. Somebody may have never heard that before, and they needed to hear that today. And if you got one more rowdy praise, could you just jump up on your feet and clap while we're doing that? I'm going to read one verse. Come on, make a little noise. I'm going I'm to go to one verse of Scripture and then talk for a minute. <laughs> and I'm going to read this verse, and I want you to read it out loud with me and strong. Everybody that can, just stand up one, just for a minute if you don't mind thinking. I know, I know it's, it's, it's a thing. I remember the first time I went to a Catholic church. If you have a Catholic background, you know it's a lot of up and down. I didn't, I didn't, I had had that experience. This is how, this is how much I didn't know. I thought they had the coolest pews in the world because they have footrests in them. And I went, and I went there, and it was a lot of up and down. You know, not as long as we do it, but it's a lot more than what we do. It was a lot of up and down, up and down. And one time we were sitting down, and um, I flipped down that thing in front of me and put my feet on. I thought, like, this is like. These are the coolest things in the world. And then one of the sisters came <coughs> and let me know that that's not what that's for. That's for a prayer. So sometimes we just stand up and, and, and we stand up to just give attention to it. But here's what I, what I want us to do today, if this is good with you. I'm going to put one verse of scripture up on this screen <coughs> and see if you can read it out loud, all of us together, with like something in it that's making a statement. You know, you can say a thing when you say a thing. And we're going to read it out loud together and see if we can't make a statement. And it comes from the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse number 16. Come on, everybody. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. For it is unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We're going to do it one more time, a little stronger. Come on. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. 
For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first. I felt something there. We're going to do it one more time. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Of, for it is. And everybody that believes it said, Amen. Thank you. Amen. I am not ashamed. You can be seated. You can be seated. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Time, time is a great teacher of perspective. Time helps us to see patterns and to see things that come and some things go. Some things you think that are going to last forever. I had someone tell me one time back when the, when the internet first came out, told me that's a fad. That's going to be gone in a couple weeks. Some things you think are passing that stay for a long time. Some things you think are going to be around forever, and they pass quickly. The God that we serve cannot be dethroned. I just want to say that for any believers here. I'm going to, I'm going to try it again. The God that we serve cannot be dethroned. If you and all your friends get together and try to remove him, he refuses to be removed. If, if you try to put him outside of something, he'll just take it over. The God that we serve cannot be over-exaggerated. No matter what you say about him, he can still do more than that. And th there are people and movements from time to time, time teaches us this, that feel like they can bring God down. I don't know what got into your mind to make you think you could bring God down. And they think if they don't talk about him, if they dismiss him, if they don't clap for him, they don't go to church on Sunday. They burn their Bibles. They kidnap Christians or, or persecute Christians or burn down churches. They can do all, everything, but he's still there. He refuses to allow you to make him something he's not. The Roman Empire thought they were going to be around forever. God has outlasted them. Adolf Hitler said one time he was going to build an empire that would last a thousand years. And he didn't live another thousand days. And we're still here. Time teaches us perspective because it teaches us that we shouldn't judge things too early. That uh, some things, it, time is the proving ground. It lets us know what is real and what is not real. It lets us know because if something is real, if something is true, it stands the test of time. You don't have to say, man, but I think everybody has had somebody in their life that told you, I'm with you, I'm down, I'm riding with you, ride or die, I'm with you till the end. I take a bullet for ya. <laughs> that was last week. And this week you couldn't find them because they couldn't stand the test of time. There are things you tell yourself when you're a teenager, when you're 20-something, and you tell yourself because you have it all figured out, and you tell yourself, this is how things are going to be. This is how I'm going to do. This is what my parents need to be doing. If I was, if I was running this house, and you tell yourself things, you know, and then you get a little time, 
We come back and check on you later, and you found out some things you had, though they might even have been well-intentioned, were misplaced. Anybody ever walk long enough to, and be mature enough to have changed your opinions on a few things? Time teaches you not to stick your stakes in the ground, in the wrong soil, for too long, too deep, because you're going to have to go back and pull them up. You choose your battles differently over time. Not willing to fight with you over stuff that don't count. Not willing to involve myself in silliness. Time. Time is interesting because I've spent a lot of time in church. And, and time has allowed me to see a lot of things come. And a lot of things go. And a lot of things go cyclical. And things that some are new to some people is old to other people. And, I, and it's, like, it's like fashion. I see people now thinking they knew because they got bell bottoms on. And the bell bottoms is coming out. And some of the young kids think they're cool. I'm like, I know some older people going back to their closet because they didn't throw them out. They're just bringing them back out again. And you see things like high waters. One of our singers was up here. Look at these socks. What in the world was I thinking about? Anyway, they had... uh, High waters on. I remember when they used to tease you at school. You had on high waters. Bell bottoms was in. And you know, things are cyclical. They go, time lets you see that things come and go. The only thing that doesn't need to be revisited is disco. You know, that's just, that's just what I want to say out loud. Just in case anybody was thinking about starting to promote that. But anyway... We have musical patterns that come and go. And I've been in a lot of church services, and I've been in dress-up services, dress-down services. I've been in formal, ecclesiastical, liturgical services where I had to carry stuff and wear stuff and hang on to stuff and light stuff and mark in processionals. And I've been in outdoor tent meetings where it was dangerous to light something where it was dressed down services. I've been in midnight prayer services, morning glory, six o'clock services. I have been to men's services. I preached a women's conference. Go figure that one out. I preached a women's conference. I have been to teen meetings. I have preached in prisons. I have been to storefronts. I have been in conference centers. I have preached in, 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 in uh, food kitchens where they had to listen to me preach before they got any food. And they were so mad looking at me, wanting me to be done preaching. And the matter they got, the another verse I found. Like, you're going to earn this soup right here. You're going, this sandwich ain't for free right here. I've been in all kinds of services and have come to find the joy that no matter how we gather in his name, no matter what you drove up to this building in or what kind of shoes you got on, No matter what kind of expression you have, whether you're the loudest person in your row or the loudest person is there to keep you awake, whatever it might be, one of the things that I've learned, no matter what city I'm in or what country I'm in, what people I'm with, whether their tradition is formal and ritualistic or whether it's free-flowing and casual, when God dwells amongst his people, the kingdom of God is wherever 
Jesus is recognized as king and celebrated. And whether you pronounce it out of a hymn book or, or grab you a banjo and a tambourine, when he is lifted up, he draws all men unto me. And some people may have something to say about it, but I came to find some people today that are able to firmly say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. I'm not ashamed of it. Time has taught me that God doesn't need your help defending his name. I have been ashamed of people. I've been ashamed of myself. I've been ashamed of myself. I've been ashamed of other people. But that is not the same. I am not ashamed of God. God doesn't need your help defending his name. God doesn't need your help making sure he's okay. God sees himself as king and he cannot be voted out. He cannot be pushed to the side. He is who he said he is and he's going to do everything he said he was going to do. Time has taught me. Don't discount God. Don't count him out. God is not playing according to a time clock. He plays until he wins. And if we ain't winning, it ain't over yet. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Time, time teaches us that things come and go. And kingdoms rise and fall. Fads and fancies come. And there's a little bit of this thing that I would refer to as the curse of cool. The curse of cool happens when we want to make being a Christian fashionable rather than realistic. I have a little something to say about that because I grew up in what most people would refer to as uncool church. Very much uncool. That's how we could determine sin sometimes. If it's cool, it's a sin. So we had to do the opposite. And uh, time, time teaches you certain things. Time teaches you certain things. And so, and so uh, we, were, we, we were always opposite then. But also time taught me to appreciate preaching that had some conviction in it. People who believed in what they said. People who would preach you to the altar. <clears throat> now, you may not know anything about this, but I grew up in, in the way that I, I got saved a lot. <laughs> I know some of you came up in that thing where you were, you know, you were born into a Christian family and they told you you were saved. I don't know. They didn't tell us that. Every week they dangled us over the flames of hell. Every week. Every week. And so responding to it, I got saved nearly every week. Nearly every week. <laughs> Time teaches you balance, you know. And we were, we were a little bit, I think those of you that may have had that kind of experience, understand, we might have been a little bit over here. A little bit, I mean, everything, you know. And, and we were saved all the time, and it was a, and sometimes it, it was, it was a, a fear thing, you know. And they would show us movies. We weren't allowed to go to the movies. 
Because going to the movies was part of the cool gang. And so we weren't allowed to be cool, so we had to come over here. But they was allowed to show movies in the church. And they would show us movies, The Burning Hell. I don't know what that does to a psychology of a 10-year-old, but I lived through it. Where they show us a movie, The Burning Hell. And I said, what happened? I got saved. I got saved that night. Again. Because they made it real. Where the maggots never die. And it was all that. Anybody, anybody remember? Anybody? Maybe a couple of you. Well, those that couldn't raise their hand, it didn't take. It didn't take like mine did. I was serious about it. And so, so it, was, it was very much, it was very much that. The burning hail, a distant thunder, a thief in the night. <clears throat> all, all of those things. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, time teaches us that, that you can emphasize one thing too much to such a degree that, that people can know what it's like to be saved or, but not know how to live, not know how to really believe. It could be, it could be, a, little bit, it could be a little bit much. But there's something, though, something time has taught me that it's dangerous when Christianity becomes too cool. When it becomes too cool, please, I know y'all are cool, but just hang in here for a minute because when it becomes too cool, sometimes we risk our convictions to be accepted. And the moment that standing for Jesus and standing for what God has said causes you to be excluded or considered not to be in the in crowd. We have people then that want to back up from the things of God. Because it puts them at odds with the world in which they are in. But can I tell you that Jesus came to set us at odds with the world that we are in. Not to be ugly or mean to people, but to set us at odds with the prince and the powers of the air that develop a system and a culture by which they produce a hostility towards the God that created them and determine their own values. And now, all of a sudden, everybody, as long as Christianity is cool, then all of a sudden we are good. But when standing for Jesus puts you in the minority position, That's, that's a little bit of the curse of being cool. <clears throat> I, I came up in a time that there was a group of us who determined that we were going to take the full-on Holy Ghost blood-bought gospel from the wrong side of the tracks and put it on Main Street. <clears throat> because most of the people in those days who were standing for Jesus were considered. They were not, but they were considered to be ignorant, unlearned, wrong side of the tracks, broke down buildings, broke down parking lots, everybody picking and grinning when they came to church, couldn't organize anything, couldn't do anything. And it was easy to dismiss the message of the gospel because it came in a package that people weren't ready for. So, but, so we got together and decided we're going to take this thing and show them we can outdo them. 
We, we got some sense. We know how to build something. We know how to do something. We know how to organize something. You ain't smarter than us. Your God, God is able to do everything he's ever told us to do. And God will make us an impact in our cities. Make us an impact in our nation. Make us an impact in our generation. And we're not going to compromise on what he said, but we're going to say it so you can hear it. And we're going to say it with microphones at work. And we're going to say it with people that know how to sing. And we're going to say it in building that look like we got some sense. We gonna say it and we gonna say it and we gonna keep saying it because we gonna take back our own coup. <coughs> and so Christianity began to move from the wrong side of the tracks. It's what time teaches us. And all of a sudden we begin to realize that God is able to give us the strength to impact and in and, and one generation from it being not acceptable in some circles for Christians to go to movies, Christians are making movies and owning theaters. When people, when Christians started producing music, they had to create a whole new genre for them in award ceremonies. Because we said, we're going to take this thing, we're taking this message public. We're going full circle. The danger of that is always present, of being cool, and being accepted can bring you to the place where everybody's on stage wearing crosses, but nobody's bearing crosses. And rather than being in a particular place to attract people to Jesus, now they're pulling on you because you want to be that more than you want to be his. Walk with me for a minute. I'm just talking for a minute. And... Uh, the other night, Kathy and I went to Detroit, you know, the reunion tour, for those of you who follow that, you know, gospel music, the reunion tour was going on with Kirk Franklin and the Israel and Ty Tribbett and all that, so we went, we went there, and of course, you know, it's a reunion tour, so it had a little bit of time elements to it. <clears throat> Y'all were singing some songs today, it had some time elements to it, I couldn't figure out if they were, thank you, <clears throat> I couldn't figure out if they, were, if they were singing some of the familiar songs because they knew I was preaching, they thought like, you know, we, we got to make him feel comfortable, let's, let's reach back there. And as a part of the reunion tour, of course, you know, we can't get out the night without Kirk doing stomp. GP, are you with me? Yeah, I got you, yeah. And of course, we can't get out the night because you remember how that song used to start, right? For those of you that thought gospel music has gone too far, right? And, and, uh, and that's how it all got started. And, 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 you know, church people was a little nervous because I don't know, well, what is it? Stomp ain't even no Bible word. It ain't a Bible word. Was, what, is it? what is it? And uh, it put me, of course, you know, we're just having a big time. We're just having a big time celebrating and all that kind of thing. And everybody, you know, I mean, this Motown anyway. It's Detroit. You're right. It's Detroit. Everybody in the whole building is stomp and electric slide and stuff like that. And, and it made me think about Pastor Meredith because she was on, on, our, on the church dance team. When Stomp came out, you know, I don't know how old, maybe 10, 12, I don't know, some, somewhere in that, in, that, in, that, in that genre, age. And, and I remember after, like, every church I was going to was Stomp. Stomp. Nothing but the Stomp. The whole Stomp. 
Not a half stump. We know how half stump in church over here. It's a whole stump and nothing but the stump. <clears throat> we were stumping it. And, uh, and I remember one time, Meredith Mer said, are we going to do stump again? <laughs> I went to a church for a while, and their expression was out of, out of hymnals. Out of hymnals. That's what they did. They sang out of hymnals. And some of the hymns are great, you know, and all that. And they, they would sing up out of the hymnals. And I was a youth pastor at the time, and the pastor had told me, why don't you take the Sunday night services and do what you want to do? <clears throat> time. Time. Time is the teacher of perspective. Time should have taught that man, when you get wise, you don't tell an 18-year-old on fire somebody do what they want to do. I did what I wanted to do. And we reorganized everything, reorganized the platform, changed the music, got some friends of mine to come in. I mean, we was pre-stomp, but we was stomping. <laughs> and, the, and the elders of the church called me in <laughs> and told me, they said, this place sounded like a roller rink. I thought, like, out of all the things you could have called that service, you're going to put me over here in a roller rink. You could have said a concert. You could have said a, you said a roller rink. It hurt my feelings because they had windled my service down to a roller rink. It's this tension that we have because, uh, because we have learned enough to know how to do things in excellence. We've learned in, in a good way, I think, how to present what God has given us in a way that, that we are not the biggest hindrance to the message. I think time has taught us that, that it's not worth fighting uh, with people over uh, nuances of Scripture that they build an entire life out of. They know three verses, and that's the only thing, and if you, you know, all of that. And we live in a world where time has taught me that cyclically, you know, cyclically things come around about it's the end of the world, it's the end of the world, and and it's the end of the world, and in the 80s, there was books about, you know, it's the end of the world, and then, you know, then in the 70s, it was the late great planet Earth was the end of the world, and then Y2K was the end of the world, and, and, and tomorrow is the end, it's, it's, it's always the end of the world, and here's a revelation for you, we always closer. Every generation since Jesus has thought that they were the last generation. I don't want to minimize the fact that, that, as I said, we are closer than we've ever been. But there are some people, you have to agree with them that Tuesday at midnight is coming to the end. If you don't, time has taught me not to argue with you over what them four horses in Revelation mean. Time teaches perspective. One of the things for sure that time teaches us is that mankind is not good at determining what is good and evil. That's what it teaches us. Time teaches us that when we are left to ourselves, we do not make good decisions. Time teaches us that it can only be two of us in a garden, everything all right, and you're still going to mess it up. And ten generations later, the whole world is filled with violence. Time teaches us that we are not the arbiter 
of good and evil. We don't do good with that. It's this, this, the reason I set it up the way I did is because I'm going to preach you some stuff that's not cool. And you just have to deal with it because you're not nearly as cool as you think you are. Because, because it's not cool to be able to, for people to say, I am a sinner. See how quiet it got? Y'all was stomping a minute ago. It's like, yeah, stomp. Yeah. <clears throat> because man cannot be saved until he is able to say, I need to be saved. It is the power, the positive power of a negative confession. You can't be saved till you confess you're a sinner. And man is not a good arbiter at that, so God has to tell us what that is. Because good and evil is not something that you do naturally. You don't naturally lean towards good, so good has to be taught. What is right has to be taught. If left to ourselves, we develop cultures where all kind of things are okay. This is what time teaches us, that we're not good at this. Without God, we are lost and undone. Without God, we will harm each other. Without God, we will steal from each other. Without God, we disrespect one another. Without God, we live like we're God. We live according to what we want to do. We live based in a moment that time should have taught us that the God who created us is the God who so loved that he gave so that you would not perish, indicating that when left to ourselves, we will perish. I know you got your church clothes on, your church smile on today. But you have to know yourself well enough to know that left to yourself. And as people left to ourselves, we don't come up with good answers. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. There was a, there was a lot, of, lot of conviction in the early days of preaching. And, and I, I'm trying to, to make it so that we don't have to dissect each movement or each time frame and argue over the, the validities and excesses or the right and wrongness of all the theological perspectives of it, but just to say that most of the existing nations in the world that are saved or leaning towards salvation today came because somebody preached until people got into the altar. And we're trying to give you a cool message on how you can be happy every day. They weren't just trying to teach you how to get a raise on your job. People came to church believing that part of the preacher's job and the church's job was to be the conscious of society and to hold us accountable for the actions and the attitudes that we had. And preachers would get up and preach until you found yourself in that altar. Even if they believed you had to get saved every week, you were still going to get there. <clears throat> if they were to put a baptismal pool like this, we would have been diving into it just to try to cool off from the hell they had just put us in. 
But think about how the awakenings came. 1741, Jonathan Edwards starts preaching a message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. You feel that hush that went over there? Everybody's like, ooh. That, would, that wouldn't really go in the Facebook world. Come hear my message called Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Again, I'm not argue, I don't want to argue over all the little nuances, what he should have known, didn't know, what was right, what was right, right. But he preached sinners in the hands of an angry God until people started falling over. People started seeing visions of hell. It's what began what we call the first great awakening because people went and they would shake under the power of conviction because they preached it strong enough to let you know you're not right all by yourself. <laughs> Back in the days of the, the tent revivals, A. Allen used to preach a message. I have a copy of it at home on an on a LP. A. Allen used to preach a message called God is a Killer. Can you imagine that? Let's have a God is a Killer conference. That ain't cool. And he used to have this message called God is a Killer. <clears throat> and the guy that used to sing for him, Gene Martin, who I know, as a matter of fact, Gene Martin recorded a, a project here in, in Toledo with a choir one time. And Gene Martin used to get up and sing before he would preach that message. And Gene Martin would sing this song, and it'd go, Oh, sinner. Oh, sinner. Oh, sinner. Sinner man, you know you can't stand. You can't stand and see the lightning flashing. Sinner man, you know you can't stand. You can't stand and hear that thunder rolling. Sinner man, you know you can't stand. And that's the clap that people give to relieve the pressure because that's heavy. He get done with that last little note. Cinnamon, you know you can't stand. Here come A. Allen. God is a killer. <laughs> Who do you think it was that drowned old Fario? Who do you think sick the dogs on Jezebel? When God starts cutting on you, you cut mighty easy. God is a killer. Woo! I was like, wow. I got saved not long ago re-listening to it. There was a certain level of conviction. Uh, Again, the the balance could be argued, but, but time teaches me that in the absence of conviction, And in the absence of being challenged, we drift to our desire to want to be cool. And we want to be so accepted that that we no longer care about pleasing God. We're trying to please people. 
And we just want to be accepted by a culture, but then if we're not the conscious of the culture, if we're not preaching conviction, if we're not preaching the truth, if we're not preaching I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world, you should not confuse me with somebody who's in the world whose desire is to be cool because I'm in the world, but I'm not of it. I'm not of your world. I know that you're a racist, but I'm not of that world. I know that you're a division-oriented person, but I'm not of that world. I know that you're filled with hate, but I'm not of that world because the purpose of the church in its culture is to reflect the kingdom of God and to realize we are a people within a people and I know on the outside of this building that the world will define you as red, yellow, black or white but when we come into the kingdom of God we are a holy race group we are a holy nation we are a people within a people who say our purpose is not to be here to receive the accolades of man but at the end of the day to hear the words well done thou good and faithful servants I just want to preach for a minute here now I want to preach because today is the day of salvation and I kept hearing this this call of God going into the nations and it comes from Malachi chapter 3 I think I gave you guys a whole lot of scriptures back there just in case which ones came up but Malachi chapter 3 and verse number 7, he, he says, even from the days of your fathers, you've gone away from my ordinances. You, 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 you haven't kept them. Watch this. Return to me. And I will return to you. But you say, where shall we return? We haven't left you. This is... This is the problem in the absence of conviction. We're wrong and we think we're right. Living life to ourselves, and somebody says, it's time for you to be saved. You say, saved from what? Return to him and he will return to you. Where have I left him? I'm okay. You're okay. But somewhere, the apostle Paul dealing with, with the Roman Empire of people who had every kind of pleasure known to man, who had everything that anybody could have at that time, stood there and told them, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There is, there is an understanding that the gospel has to be preached the gospel has to be declared. I'm glad to be a part of a church where Sunday after Sunday when Kathy and I are home and we're sitting on that front row that either Pastor Phil or Pastor Meredith are standing up here declaring not just what is popular to the eyes of man, but something that comes from the word of God, scripture that's coming forth. Because we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You ought to give God praise uh, for a church that will stand on the word of God. It's important. It's important because, because we, we have this thing in our time that can sweep us up if we're not careful. Let me show you Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Anytime you study time, you should study Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 goes like this. I returned and saw unto the sun that the race is not always to the fastest runner. How many have lived long enough to see that? Nor the battle to the strong. And bread doesn't come to just the wise people or riches to men of understanding or favor to men of skill, 
But time and chance happens to them all. Let me, go, let me go one more verse here. For man also knoweth not his time. As the fish that are taken in the evil net and as the birds are caught in the snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. I wish I had Gene Martin to come up here and sing Old Sinner right now. But I think, I think you understand that what, what the Bible is saying is that, that sometimes the times that we are in are like a net. And we're, we're, we're like the fish swimming through the ocean, just doing our thing. And all of a sudden, evil times go, and, it just, and the fish are caught up in the net. So does it happen to people when the times around them are like a net or like a snare and evil times come upon them suddenly and they're caught up in it. And you get caught up in the flow of the world. You get caught up because of what somebody told you was cool. You get caught up and it's acceptable. And it becomes so acceptable for you as a young lady to show way too much of yourself to people who don't care for you. And you get caught up in that net. You get caught up in that net because somebody told you that it was cool for you to be crude and be in fighting and, and always messing. It's dangerous to grow up in a time when the net is suddenly pulling you up as a young man and culture is telling you what is right and what is wrong people who over time have proven they don't know I wanted to preach a real happy message after men's conference but I, want to, I want to preach this I want to talk to you because the times that we are in are for sure the craziest times I have ever seen in my life. Maybe some of the craziest times I've even read about. And that picture out of Ecclesiastes came to my mind that here we are like fish swimming and there's two nets being cast out. Jesus told Simon Peter, if you follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, remember? And Jesus threw out and likens the gospel unto a net. And the writer of Ecclesiastes likens it unto tr troubled times. You're going to get caught up in something. I said, you're going to get caught up in something. And we could be going through times a man under the sun does not know his times very well. And we're just swimming through, trying to get through life. And all of a sudden, tough times come suddenly. And, whoosh, and we get caught up in it. And people that you used to think have sense have lost their ever-loving mind because of what they got caught up in. And in the absence of the conscience of our society, in the absence of churches who will preach the word of God, we somehow think that people will determine good and evil properly by themselves. So now here we are struggling. We're struggling 
Because somebody has to say to us and remind us that we, are, we do not do well by ourselves. You are a sinner. You do need to be saved. This is the day of salvation. I'm, I'm going to preach till I, I'm, 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 just turn the heat up in this building. Let's get everybody hot, sweaty. And then we're going to turn that smoke machine on over there and make you think you're getting closer to hell than you've ever been in your life. <laughs> but the, the, the thing about it, the thing about our brothers and sisters is, is that wisdom and good have to be taught. Anyone that has children know you can't just leave them kids to themselves. Think they're going to come up with good answers. And the thing about us is absent of God, then, then societies begin to build a hostility towards God. And they try to make God the problem. And he says, return to me, and I will return to you. Yes. There are people under the sound of my voice that somebody took you to church when you were young. You prayed when you got in trouble. And then you start getting caught up into things. And you get caught up in all kinds of things. And he's saying, return to me, and I will return to you. You, you don't want to be the one that says, where will I return? Like I haven't done nothing. Every, I believe that repentance is a lifestyle for a Christian. That's why I'm saying I, I, I understand maybe, maybe the, the extreme part of being raised in churches where the same people got saved every Sunday. I was one of them. I got saved all the time. I got saved all the time. I got saved all the time. You scared me. I understand. I understand difference in, in having um, a society that tries to tell everybody, you okay just like you are. But you're not okay just like you are. Somewhere we have to be able to say to you that God made you and he brought you, but you're, you're in times when nets are being cast into the sea and you swimming trying to get through your life and you're trying to get through it and everything, but you don't know that the enemy is throwing nets everywhere, trying to catch you up into all kind of craziness, trying to catch you up in all kind of things. And somebody has to stand and tell you that the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who would believe. Time should teach you that if you live your own life your own way, then you are responsible for the consequences, and it's not going to end well. So now we have this, that this thing going on where we keep trying to remove God from every part of our culture. We just keep trying to push him out, push him out, but God refuses to be pushed out. And we keep trying to push him out, push him out, and now God is the problem. Religion is the problem. God's the problem. Can you imagine being God and you create this world and you create these people and you so love that you gave your son for their salvation. They keep pushing you away, pushing you away. And not only do they push you away, but now they tell you you're the problem. Why don't you leave us alone? It's the hostility towards God in the air. In the air. Carry a Bible and get on a public bus and watch what happens. What's wrong with you? And, and it becomes this hostility in the air. And people begin to move away from God. And so we have to preach the gospel because it, it itself is the power of God. If it is proclaimed, it works all by itself. 
You ain't got to put no special sauce on it. You ain't got to dress it up. You ain't got to wrap it up in aluminum foil. If you just preach the gospel, if you just understand, if you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus, he said, if I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And so he has to have a voice in the world. And so my heart have, as, as being through enough times and seasons is to watch a generation of young people struggling because the people that should be teaching them what is good and what is truth have so backed up away from the truth because they're afraid somebody's going to treat you like you're not cool, you're not in, you're not vogue, you outdated. But time should teach you that what is true is true. Time should teach you that what is right is right. Time should teach you that what is good is good. And no matter how you dress evil up, no matter how, 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 how you paint bad behavior, it ain't never going to be good. Time should teach you that everything reproduces after its own kind. So we, we're confused. I, I know y'all are trying to figure out exactly where, when I'm going to be done, and I am too. But, but just hang on, hang on, hang on, because, because the, thing, the, thing, the, thing, the thing that it is, is is in watching young people, I get concerned when I see a generation of young people that should be at the height of their life and full of energy and full of excitement, and they're sullen and backed up and Inter, in, inter, not just introverted as a personality, but non-communicative, and, and they dress like every day is Halloween, you know, and, and, and they walk around and they give one-word answers, and don't know, and and I begin to study it, and I realize that what we used to call the baby boomers is, is, is like Kathy's generation. <laughs> <laughs> The baby boomers, and then you have the Zoomers, and they're referring to the, the, the young people coming up now as Doomers. Doomers. They're the Doomers because they believe that the environment is against them. They believe that the systems are against them. They believe education is against them. They believe their governments are against them. They believe the economy is against them. They believe their churches are against them. And so they have no future. They don't know where to go. The interest rates are so high, they don't know how they're going to buy their first house. How are they going to buy your first house when you owe a gazillion dollars for your student loans? How am I going to do that when I can't get no job? When because everybody's doing this and I haven't worked it. And, it's pretty, and now they're moving through life. They're just swimming. They're just swimming. They were just swimming. They were just swimming. They were just swimming, and a big net got cast in. Now they're all caught up, being pessimistic and doomer, end of the world, filled with zombie movies. They don't even have to go to the movies to see zombies anymore. Just go to school. <laughs> zombies are teaching the classes. <clears throat> and so, so they get wrapped up in this, in this world by which they adopt a philosophy of life called absurdism. Absurdism says that nothing has meaning, nothing has purpose, and therefore it is absurd to try to find purpose and meaning, and so they live in a world of absurdism. Can I talk about it for just a minute? I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave you alone. We can ready to double this baptism right here. We can ready to double this baptism. The, the, we, the, the absurdism is, is the concept when right or wrong can no longer be determined and up is no longer up and down is no longer down and red is no longer and nothing, nothing there are no bearings because no one is no everyone is afraid to say what is true what is true what is right what has God said I didn't ask I don't care what your cousin said what does God say I don't care what your culture said what did God say about that because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation and, 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 we, and we can't just say everything can be everything and anything can be 
anything. And, and so now, now, now they're out here because nobody can define anything for them. Instead of reinforcing things that need to be reinforced, we keep trying to redefine things that no, don't need to be redefined. They need to be reinforced, you know. You don't have to tell me over again what a man is. I know what a man is. He doesn't need to be redefined. He needs to be reinforced. You don't have to tell me what a woman is. A woman can have a baby. If a man can't have a baby, he's a man. He ain't a woman. And therefore, I, I don't need you to redefine what a woman is. I just need to reinforce our young ladies to know what it's like to be a woman and to know that your femininity is God's gift to you. And he made you fearfully and wonderfully made. I, 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 don't, I, I think there's something wrong when, we, when, when we, we start putting shame on everybody. And everybody is trying because they be. And because when you live in a world of absurdism, then, then, then we miss what is really happening. Because I just want to say what I want to say. I want to say everything is not a mental health issue. I just want to say that out loud. I will agree with anyone that for years of, of my upbringing, my years of church experience, the church did not do a good job talking about self-care or mental health issues and all those things. We potentially had pastors have mental breakdowns right in front of us and didn't know it and thought it was the Holy Ghost. I don't know. <coughs> we didn't do good about talking about it. But, but, but absurdism is when, is when things are not balanced properly, okay? So everything is not a mental health issue. Somebody needs to say out loud, that we don't have to have a pill for everything. Because, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna say it. Pills for some things, I carry some pills in my pocket for other people. When somebody gets on my nerves too bad, I say, you know what, you need one of these right here. Here, take this. And I just wanna. Some people definitely need something. But, but things that are not mental health issues. Getting a job. That's not a mental health issue. I, the three people that have jobs are clapping. Are we tired of paying for all your stuff? We have a whole, I was reading an article about, uh, about young people that are taking their parents with them to job interviews. Okay, that's, a, that's, that's rule number one on how not to get a job. <laughs> Take your parents with you to a job interview. <clears throat> because it's stressful. It's not good for my mental health to have to sit and have somebody interview me. 94% of Zoomers is, were saying that it was, uh, produces anxiety to have a, a personal conversation with another person. Anxiety. That's not a mental health issue. Mowing the yard. I'm just giving you a list of things that are not mental health issues. Mowing the yard, chores are not mental health issues. Are we live streaming? So, um, watch me, watch me come. I'm going to step on it. Nothing but the stomp up in here today, baby. Nothing but the stomp. SATs are not a mental health issue. They're stressful, they tell me. <laughs> and, and I understand, but, but watch this now. There's so much pressure that our young people are on to get accepted into the right school, which is no longer the right school. 
to be accepted and to, to live up to a certain level because you have to know they're already approaching it with a mentality that things are against me and I don't know how I'm going to make it and I'm already struggling. If I don't get a certain grade on the SAT, then I'm not going to get accepted in school. If I don't get accepted in school, then the zombies are going to take over. <laughs> but I would like to say to you that taking a, an exam is not a mental health issue. Just walk with me. Just walk with me. You can go back out of here and listen to everybody else that you want to listen to, but just give me this, this time to tell you that your world, your family is not doing you a service by trying to drug you out of every situation that is difficult to manage. And, and you have a certain level of stress, which I never carry. The, the, the particular stress of having to have a particular grade on a test. That was not my problem. <clears throat> I had many other problems, for, for sure. But that was not one of them. That was Kathy. Kathy's that way. Meredith is that way. Me, not so much. <laughs> Kathy would go into a class wanting to know what is an A. Is there extra credit? Who got the highest A? I would go in saying, what's passing? <laughs> what do I need to do to get through here? So I must say that I cannot properly relate to those of you that must have an A. I don't know what that did for you. <coughs> I don't know. But I understand that there's a certain pressure, please. But what I'm trying to tell you is that there, life is filled with things we don't want to do. Life is filled with hardships. Life is filled with layoffs and evictions. Life is filled with getting canceled. Life is filled with getting beat up once or twice. Life is filled with people lying on you. Life is filled with your kids acting flat out their mind. Life is filled with ups and downs. And sooner or later, you got to put your feet down and say, I know in whom I have believed. And I'm going to serve God no matter what it is. I'm going to serve him and God will make a way for me. God will make a way for me. Somebody clap your hands and say hallelujah. Come on, say hallelujah. I'm closer to being done than you think I am. It's absurd. It's, watch, watch how absurd it is. Watch how absurd it is. Because, because if we say that, that, that small things are mental health issues, but to watch a grown man, six foot four man, compete against girls in a swimming competition and then you get a trophy but my kids think that they're having a mental health issue because they got a test coming up but culture is celebrating you who is obviously not well <laughs> not well I, I've, I've lived long enough to watch what people do as fashionable to lead them down certain paths. And it used to be fashionable for, for soccer moms to go to, go, go to a soccer thing. And they, they had that, you know, it was a little fashion statement. It's the way they dressed. They got the little Gucci bag and got the little, got the little tennis bracelet on. And now, now it's fashionable for them to show up with their 12-year-old boy in a dress. That's their fashion statement now. Because nobody's allowed to tell you, this, you're, not, you're not well. You're not well. We got our kids thinking they're losing their mind because they got a test coming up. 
This is called absurdism. This is called absurdism. When we are supposed to act like something is something that it's not. Because then good is no longer good. Evil is no longer evil. I'm going to wrap it up like this because I feel you get nervous. I'm going to wrap it up like this and throw you back into a King James Bible verse because you think that's about somebody else. Listen to these words. out. Of, give me John chapter 4 and I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm not quitting close enough for you to start playing yet, but I'm getting real close. John 4. <laughs> the hour cometh and now is. When the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Isn't that amazing? God, everybody say it out loud. God is a spirit. And they that worship him. This conversation, those statements came at the end of Jesus dealing with some of the stuff we're talking about. Jesus has his disciples. Here comes a woman at the well. Not just any woman, not just any well. It's Jacob's well. It's not just any woman. It's a Samaritan woman. And he realizes this is going to be a thing. And so he sends his disciples away. It is very difficult, nearly impossible to reconcile entire groups of people at the same time. Reconciliation is done one-on-one. I have been invited to so many reconciliation services where people apologize, wash each other's feet, have communion together, and go back to their corners. Jesus sees this Samaritan woman, got a dodgy past. He thinks, like, these guys ain't ready for this. He sends them off to get food. They come back later, and he tells them, I'm not hungry. I have food. You know what? They're like, why'd you send us to get food? He's talking to this woman at the well, and she starts in immediately. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't have any dealings with each other. Jesus put himself. In her path. Because she thinks she's coming for water. And so here we start this argument now. Your people worship over in this mountain. Our people worship over here. Your people do it this way. We do it that way. And Jesus drops himself right down of a 700-year-old argument. Because they didn't deal with them Samaritans. Because the Samaritans was a group of people that when the, this is a long, a old story, when the lions came out, was killing all of them because they was close to the children of the promise, they, they came to them and they said, they said, you got to tell us because we think we've offended your God because the lions are eating all of us. <clears throat> and so they, they introduced them at that time, Old Testament, they introduced them to the Pentateuch, what became the Torah, and so they started, but, but they didn't convert. They included it. Yeah, you missed that. They included it. But they didn't convert. It's my last point. This is a good one. Because this is the culture that we're in. You live any old kind of way you want to and think if you could put a Bible verse on your refrigerator that you saved. You, did, you never converted. You never got saved. You just start adding Bible verses to your horoscope. Now you got witchcraft, idolatry, and, and Bible verses. Somebody should have told you 
that to receive Christ is to denounce every other power, every other spirit, every other false God, every other false doctrine, every other spirit. You can't serve Jesus and money. You can't serve Jesus and Baal. You can't serve Jesus and be prejudiced. You can't serve Jesus uh, and do what you want any kind of way you want. Where's my PGP? Are you still with me? We have to say this because, because we, have, we have a generation that feels like it's almost as if they're just trying to do everything they can do to, to prove that they can be their own gods. And, and we, could, we could do what we want with life, whether it's in the womb. We could tell a boy that you're not a boy, you're a girl, and we got pills for you. And we could cut stuff off, and we can add stuff on. And we tell them, girl, you know, no matter how you mess with it, God has so put it in there, XX is always going to be XX, and XY is always going to be XY. And you could dress up like it's Halloween every day, but somebody should tell you you're not well. But there is an answer to what the enemy has deceived you on because God came and sent his son that you don't have to perish. And as long as you live under something other than what God has for you, it's going to take you into the wrong direction. I don't care how nice you are. You could be the nicest drug dealer in town. You smile a lot. People like you. You buy stuff for people, but you still, somebody got to tell you that you can't be dealing them drugs and then put a Bible verse or put a cross on, say your grandmother's praying for you and took you to Bible school when you was 10 and everything is going to be all right. Somebody needs to stand up in today's culture and tell you God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm not getting saved because it's cool. I'm not getting baptized because it's fashionable. I'm turning my back on sin. I'm turning my back on the devil. I'm turning my back on every net. David said, I have escaped the net of the fowler. And I have went on to be free. How many of you know that you've escaped many traps? You've escaped many things. Jump up on your feet one time and clap your hands. Come on. Let our king be lifted up. Let our king be lifted up. Let our king, come on. Let our king be lifted up. Hosanna. Hosanna. Come on. Let our king be lifted up. Come on. Let our king be lifted up. King be lifted up. Under the sound of my voice today are people listening to me. The Lord is saying, return unto me and I will return to you. Return unto me and I will return unto you. You may, you may have would have checked the box. Somebody asked you, do you believe in God? Do you check a box? Check a box. But you're living your life like he's not there. You're living your life based on your own values of what's good and what's evil. Not allowing him to put you on a good path. And faith is about trust. Faith is not what you did for God. Faith is what God did for you in sending Jesus to you and trusting him that he knows best he knows the way 
There are ways that seem right unto a man, but the end of that way is destruction. I came to remind you today that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There is a God to serve and a devil that's out to destroy you. And God so loved that he made the way that all of the hostility of man can be wrapped up in the blood of Jesus and say, if you return to me, I will return to you. And under the sound of my voice are people today that you say, today is the day that I'm turning. Today is the day that I'm returning. Today is the day that I turn my back on all kinds of things, the occults and horoscopes and crystals and new age and because Jesus refuses to be mixed in with all your stuff you got to follow him all the way you say I'm willing to turn my back on everything else because I've decided to follow Jesus and you're in this place today and you say when you pray that prayer pray with me and pray for me because I'm one of those people today is my day I hear God saying to me turn return to me and I will return to you I hear God calling me Today, I'm not going to resist him. Today, I'm going to be one of those that can say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. When you pray, pray that prayer, pray with me and for me. I'm one of those people. Throw your hands straight up without hesitation, wherever you may be. <coughs> hands are going up here, there. Come on, hold them up real high, real high, real high. This is your day. This is your day. Yeah, people, people are going to be baptized. I suppose you could be baptized today too. I don't know. We're going to pray this prayer out loud together. Phil and Meredith, are you guys coming up or one, one or both of you? Come stand with me. This is a beautiful thing, isn't it, church? It's a beautiful thing. The Bible said that when one sinner repents, that the angels begin to rejoice. So let's all pray this prayer together. And Pastor Meredith has it from here, okay? Thank you guys for giving me a few minutes to just kind of throw a little something out there and uh, I would say please don't misunderstand me but I know better than that let's all pray this prayer together dear God I come to you in Jesus name I don't claim to be a great person I don't claim to have lived a great life I am a sinner I receive what Jesus did for me I believe he died for me and rose on the third day. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me a child of God. And I will serve you as you show me how. I declare today I am saved. I am saved. I am saved.